Welcome to Malcolm Reed's How to Barbecue Right, a podcast where we talk about barbecue, share recipes, and discuss all things delicious. And now, here's your host, Malcolm and Rochelle Reed. Hey, welcome back to the How to Barbecue Right podcast. This is episode 13. I'm your host, Malcolm Reed, joined by my lovely wife, Rochelle. Rochelle, what's happening today? I'm in vacation mode almost. It's almost that time. Isn't it? <laughs> Sounds like it's coming a monsoon outside. Yeah, right it's now, raining but, here. But that's okay. We're going to podcast away. First thing we're going to talk about is smash burgers. Hey, yeah, that was our recipe we did this week. Um, we had a busy week. Yeah. And then, you know, we, we traveled last week. We, did, we weren't competing last weekend. We were actually doing a little catering job. It wasn't a little catering yeah, job. Yeah, it was a big catering job. We'll talk a little bit about that. But uh, we did, so for the recipe, I wanted to, um, really was just looking for something quick and simple that I could do. <laughs> well, you no really want a new burger yeah, recipe. Well, we need, you know, you can't never have enough burger recipes. And um, uh, Jay from uh, Tennessee Mojo and Mark from Swine Life had talked about how they were doing smash burgers and done different variations of smash burgers. So you kind of got a little idea from them. Yeah, well, I mean, I've done them before. It's really just an old-fashioned hamburger is what I call it. I, yeah. I mean, you can call it a smash burger if you want, but it's just a burger cooked on a flat top. Instead of cooking it like in a skillet or you know on a flat top inside the house, I just flip my grill grates go uh, over on the PK, which creates that flat surface. It's great for you know flat top cooking over charcoal, and I think it really does give the meat a better flavor because oh, yeah. it's almost like it's been grilled. Yeah, because the holes in the in the grill grate let a lot of that grease still drip down, still hitting your charcoal. You're not getting flame ups. But you're getting that good grilled flavor. Yeah. And, man, I just kept it simple. It was just 80-20 ground chuck that I got from Kroger. Nothing fancy at all. Seasoned it with some salt, pepper, garlic, that AP rub. Smashed them down flat with a spatula. And I probably needed a flat spatula instead yeah. of one with ridges. But I made Living it work. Living and you learn. It yeah. wasn't that big of an obstacle to ever no, come having some holes all. in there. Um, somebody did ask how you clean that backside of your grill grates. because, And when you did flip them over, you know, they were pretty funky. Well, usually I get them getting hot to start yeah. with. And then just a scraper will scrape anything off. I put some oil, you know, some cooking spray, vegetable spray, whatever you want to use. Use that wooden scraper. And just let it, it scrapes all that stuff off of it. Really, really reconditions it or seasons it when you oil it like that. Um, you know, it, it makes stuff Did you not wipe stick it at all it. or did you only use the wooden scraper? Well, the, the first thing I did when I flipped it over, I kind of just, before I ever lit a fire, I just took like a little paint scraper that I keep out there with my grilling stuff, hit, the, hit it with that just to knock anything that was kind of crusty off. And then I took some vegetable spray and sprayed it like on a towel and wiped it down real good just to wipe everything off. And then I got it hot. And I just hit it with more cooking spray and hit it with that paddle, and that was it. I mean, there's nothing to it. It cleaned up really, really well. Heck yeah. I mean, there's nothing to them. It's easy to do. I mean, it's not like there's some chemical or some secret secret way I'm getting them clean. No, it's just letting the heat up, scrape it off, put some oil on it. The oil lets everything release, and they're ready to go. Um, the more you cook on them like that, the better they actually get. I mean, it, it does. That fat and that grease and everything conditions it, just like it does cast iron. Yeah. 
It's kind of finding a new way to use those grill grates. Just yeah, turn they're, over and you got they're great, not service. just for burgers. I mean, I've, I've done all kinds cheese of stuff steaks, on them. Yeah, you could yeah. do Philly cheesesteaks on them. You could do uh, eggs on them. You could do all kinds of stuff. I mean, yeah. it really works. I guess you could do pancakes if you really wanted yeah, to. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it does have holes, so you That's do have true. to worry a little bit about seepage. But I've actually done eggs on it, and they do yeah. fine because they're it's hot enough to where... It's not going to run down in there, you know, before the egg actually cooks. So you got to think about that if you're doing it. I mean, cheese wasn't seeping. You know, you saw in yeah. the video how the cheese melted off the burgers. Well, it didn't go down in the holes because it was so hot. And you know, it scraped the, off really easy. I mean, I, I ran one chimney full of B&B charcoal. Um, I didn't take the, the, the temperature of that great surface, but I guarantee you it was probably, you know, about 400 to 500, somewhere in that range. That's about what one chimney does to you know for a grill grate so yeah. i just kind of knew that going in what i was wanting to cook at and those burgers cook fast i mean four minutes each side they're crusty but you know I, I, I noticed some comments where people were saying oh you're mashing all the juice out of it if you mash them more than once i promise you those burgers have plenty of moisture yeah. in them. they were full of just good burger grease and i mean they, you know well, you they're all smash it. burgers so you're supposed to have them kind of flat it's all about it's really more about texture than anything on those. Well, you get so much of that crispy flavor, you know. And that's what that I like. Contact flavor. That's the difference in a grill, just a regular grilled burger versus a flat top, old-fashioned burger. Yeah. You get that, that crunch on the outside, and it gives you a lot of flavor. So it's kind of a texture flavor. And they're so small. You know, they're, they're kind of thin, you know, so they're not going to be that juicy. Right, yeah. Them. I mean, it, it, they, they were incredibly juicy yeah. because, I mean, they're sitting there cooking and all. You can see the video. They're <laughs> cooking and all that fat that's rendered. <laughs> And Man. how long was it? Four minutes each time? Yeah, about eight total minutes. I went ahead and topped them with the cheese and just kind of let that melt. And I did them in two batches because I wanted to do the buns right alongside too. And all I did for those was melt a little butter, brush the top and the bottom. I did learn something. I learned that the, the top is called the crown and the bottom's called the heel. I didn't know that on a hamburger bun, but somebody put that in the comments. And I was like, you know what? That's interesting. I didn't yeah. know that. It's the crown and the, the crown hill. and the heel. So we buttered up the crown and the heel. <laughs> we grilled them off. And then we grilled How them off. How long did it take for the, um, the, the buns to oh, get crispy? Oh, man. 35, 40 seconds. Yeah. Not long. I just put a little light toast on them. I mean, yeah. They did fine. You now, could get them as crusty as you want. As far want. as those burgers go, you could have done them any kind of way you want. If you want to add your favorite toppings, if you want to throw bacon on there, that would have been great. Grilled onions would have been really good. I was kind of going for more of like a simple, I wanted, I call it the barbecue smash burger because I just use mustard and pickles, the, the meat, the cheese, barbecue sauce, more meat, more cheese, more barbecue sauce, and crispy jalapenos. Those, if you hadn't tried them, uh, I was, we turned on to them at a little burger contest we did with the kids when uh, Mojo had their daughter there cooking. Yeah, and he Yeah, and he's like, man, have y'all ever tried these? We got, they got them at Memphis and May, I think, or they were handing them out, French's was, and I said, I've never seen it. I've seen the onion, you know, yeah, onion kind of fried onion toppings that they use for casseroles, but it comes in the same type of packaging that you use for like green bean casserole topping, you know, the crispy fried onions, mm -hmm. but they're crispy fried jalapenos and they're green instead of red, but the same container, but they're it, cooked the same kind of way. They're they got spicy that, yeah. too. Oh, they're hot. Well, they're warm. Yeah, I wouldn't say hot. They're <laughs> spicy. I mean, they add a nice touch to a burger, yeah. nice little crunch, and they have uh, the fried pickle done the same way. Now, I didn't see them at we buy those at Kroger, yeah. and I didn't. I looked for the pickles, but they didn't have them there. But I know they do make them. So if you're looking for them, they're you can right. crispy fry anything. It can't be bad, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're right beside the uh, crispy fried onions on the like vegetable aisle. Yeah, on the vegetable aisle. Right next to your green beans.
Yep. <laughs> and they're, they're they're really good on that. And some people said, where's the bacon? We, I mean, you talked about adding bacon. Yeah, it would have been good. Yeah, yeah bacon. You can't you go make it any, You make it any kind of way. I know the barbecue sauce, it was, you know, you had the sweet barbecue sauce with the burger and the cheese and the spicy jalapenos. It went together really, really well. Onions would have been good on it. Yeah. I, I mean, if, I wouldn't have that's what I would have yeah. That's for sure. I mean, you probably would have put mayonnaise all over it, wouldn't I you? I did put mayonnaise on one. <laughs> It was good. I'm I, hey, I'm gonna tell you what. It been. I mean, I hadn't cooked a burger like that in a while, and I cooked that one. And you I have to taste it on a video, right? Yeah. I hate that whole. Excuse. I hate that whole thing of burger. It was like <laughs> it didn't stand a chance. I'm not gonna lie. I ate a couple of bites. Like, man, wow, this is good. This is what a burger's supposed to be like. Would you do anything differently? No, I'll just have more stuff to put on it. I mean, yeah. let, let people dress it their own way. I mean, you'd be cool to do like a burger bar, or smash burger yeah. bar, because it doesn't take no time. You can have them already balled up, ready to go. Get your grill hot, and you're cooking, cooking burgers fast. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really you really can toast some buns right before you cook them. And yeah, you can have one bag. You know? Yeah, you could have did all the buns, had them ready to go. Those waffle fries that That's what I was we, we put on the board, really didn't talk about it in that video any, um, but but. I just wanted a quick video. Really, I just wanted to try them because Mark had been telling me he's been doing them for some pictures he's been doing for his Instagram. He's like, man, have you tried waffle grill, you know, waffle fries on the the pellet grill? And I said, no, I never. Why would I? You're supposed to fry (laughs) them. He's like, no, trust me, they get crispy and they're awesome. So we bought a bag and put them on there and took, what, about 17, 18 minutes, something like that. And I was amazed, man. They were really good. They were, I don't know if the surface area. The way those waffle fries are cut, if the, you know, if it just yeah. makes them get crispy like that, but that Traeger made them really crispy, and so they gave me the idea. I was like, man, that would make some awesome loaded waffle fries. You could put pulled pork on it, put nacho cheese. You know, it's just like making barbecue nachos, but use those waffle fries as a base, and that would be that'd be a good recipe. Uh, you you kept them on there for about seventeen minutes, and they got crispy. But I like them even a little crispier. So I probably would have, if I was to do anything differently with that, I'd have put left them on there for another three, four. Wouldn't minutes. hurt. Wouldn't hurt. I, yeah. They were fine for me. Yeah, and maybe put sprinkle a little salt on the end. You know. Well, those were the seasoned ones, so they already had yeah. some stuff on them. You could do it. I was really just playing with them, see if they actually does it work type deal. Yeah, <laughs> and it does work. Yeah, it's kind of like oven cooking them. Yeah. yeah, I'm not a really big fan of oven cooked fries. They always get kind of soggy to me. And these weren't soggy at all. I mean, they weren't limp fries. I Do you think that. it's because of the fact that they were the waffle? Probably that. I think that they had a little more surface area on the way they were cut. But I think that uh, air is moving so much in that Traeger yeah. that yeah. it kind of works as a con- the convection aspect of it. The air movement made them a little more crispy too. Yeah. So. Do you think you could have done it with like a steak fry? Or I a will be trying. Train? Yeah. Because you know we've done asparagus like that. And I was, you know, we always do asparagus in the oven. It's it's really good. Broil on broil, about what twenty minutes maybe. Oh no, like eight. It doesn't take long. Yeah. But anyway, we did this, we did some asparagus on that Traeger, and I was like, man, this is way better than the oven. Yeah. And I, it's just because of the way the air is moving on that pellet grill. Yeah, that makes sense. I, those asparagus were real crispy and. It got you know they had flavorful. that grilled flavor, and you didn't do anything to them. I mean, just laid them on there. So this past weekend, we had the opportunity to cook for the John Force Racing Team. Um, Robert Height, he was last year's champ. He was the yeah. NHRA top field champ, yeah. yeah. He, um, well, I didn't know. First off, I don't know anything about NHRA racing. Yeah. I mean, I, we, we grew up watching NASCAR, and that was always the big thing at our house on Sundays. 
and I knew, of course, I've seen dragsters on on uh, TV, but I didn't know anything about them. And so um, Robert has just—I guess he—he's just became a fan of barbecue. He's into cooking, smoking, and he watches. He actually watches a lot of the videos and stuff that we do, and other people do too. But he contacted me, and he'd been buying some products, and I didn't know, you know, unfortunately, I didn't know who he was. I mean, he's like, hey, man, I'm, you know, Robert Hyde into your stuff. And I said, that's great. <laughs> Thanks for checking it out, man. And he's like, no, I'm an NHRA driver. And I was like, sure you are. I mean, why are you contacted me? <laughs> but no, it turns out he really is an NHRA driver. Not only a driver, he's the champ, two-time champ. And he asked us to come up there and cook for their team. He races for John Force. And John Force is like the man when it comes to NHRA racing. He's, 16 he's 69 times. years old. He's been doing it for a long time. Won 16 titles. Yeah. And man, until you see those cars, like we got the chance. Like he, Robert let us come hang out in the pits. And, you know, we got to go down there when they're running. And, and I thought I'd seen some cars go fast. I've been to a few NASCAR races. Until you see those cars top 300 miles an hour. And then your chest is pounding. You, you know, you, you think your eyes are going to blow out of your head. I don't see how they do it. I honestly don't. Yeah. It's impressive. I did not expect to get into racing, but I was. Yeah, I mean, we thought we were just going it. to cook, and we didn't, you know, we didn't really know. We got to drive around Bristol. You know, they had some rental cars, and they gave, they, the guy threw Robert the keys to the, the official pace car for the NASCAR track. And then he's like, he let us take the rental cars. He said, "Y'all want to drive around? You can't take the pace car, but y'all can drive those rental cars." And we said, "Hell yeah!" <laughs> <laughs> so we all we all did two or three laps each. Yeah. Flying the Wayland was the one taking it serious. You know, he, he thought he was Dickon Dale Earnhardt or something. <laughs> They told us, don't take it Yeah, don't take it serious. Yeah, you weren't supposed to get over like 70. And Waylon's diving it down into turn one. He's he's squealing the tires on it. I mean, I was like, man, can you kill somebody? That's what uh, Mark Williams said, that he got to drive around Bristol. It was in a minivan going 35 miles an hour, but he still drove around. I got it up to about 65 when I was in. Yeah. that was fast, and, and, and to be, I think it was a Traverse, Chevy Traverse, or yeah. Equinox. I don't know which brand it was. It was a little crossover SUV, and when you're up on that turn, you know you got to get it so fast to stay on the turns. And when you're coming in that turn, that's all you see is a wall of concrete in front of you. It's, it means, Did it freak you out. It took a minute to get used to it. I'm not gonna lie. It wouldn't just. It wouldn't. It wasn't natural to be on a wall <laughs> sideways like that. You're not an adventurous driver much, anyway. No, you know, most time I like to ride. I like to let yeah. somebody else do the driving. But when they said, "Who wants to drive?" I was, I was, I was like, elbow people out of the way. I'm driving this time. <laughs> they wanted. To, they wanted to know if I had something wrong with me. You never want to drive. I said, "No, I'm, I'm going around Bristol. I may never get that opportunity again." It was an awesome experience. We cooked six total meals. Yes, we did. Man. We did your traditional barbecue, or we did pulled pork for lunch one day when they could make nachos and sandwiches. Of course, you know, had to do all the sides. sides. But we did we whole did prime. prime ribs. Uh, we did some glazed chicken breast. We did a hot wing, a smoked and a sweet and spicy hot wing dinner one night uh, with like a sausage and treat cheese display. We did some Texas brisket and some Memphis style baby back ribs. That's, one day. That brisket was oh, those briskets the, are awesome. Aren't the they? best briskets we've cooked. You know, we put the, the ribs. Friday night we put the the prime rib dinner on them, and the prime rib was really good. Yeah. But then we followed that the next day, Saturday lunch with that brisket, and the, the hands down that brisket no, blew we did them. Brisket and ribs at the same time yeah. for Saturday lunch. Brisket blew blew them away. Yeah. I mean, that brisket was hands down better than the prime rib. And I mean, prime rib, many, we can't beat it. I mean, how many pounds of Brisket, do you think you sent over there? 
Uh, probably, man, it was, I bet it was close to 60 pounds of brisket. Cooked brisket. Cooked 60 brisket, pounds. yeah, it was a lot. And it was gone within an hour and a half. Yeah, I mean, they, they, blowed, through, they yeah. blowed through everything we sent. And I we mean, sent, we cooked 15 slabs of ribs. Yeah, we did some good sides. What we did how'd you, with, Well, how'd you cook the brisket? Because it turned out really, really good. We just seasoned it like we did comp brisket. You know, we had a little bit of our special mixes on there. Did you inject? Nope. It was straight injected and butcher paper wrapped so the bark stayed real crunchy on the outside. Mm -hmm. And that's what made it so good. But there was, we didn't inject brisket. We just, all we did was, we seasoned it with AP and then we hit it with Mojo Swine Life Killer Hog Combo. Killer hot, hot triple, not regular. Yeah, triple, triple threat. threat. Yeah. And so we That's put that on there. That's the ribs, too. Yeah. I mean, same thing went on the ribs. It, the it ribs just wins. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's what Jay got top 10 call at Memphis and Yeah. You know? Yeah. He's, I mean, Speaking of which, got to give a shout out to Tennessee Mojo, Joey and Jamie, and Mark and uh, Jamie Williams from Swan Life Barbecue for all the help this weekend. Yeah, we couldn't have did it without those guys. Yeah. I mean, it takes a crew to do. There's no way me and you why they could have did it. It takes a crew to do, you know, feed we, 60 people, six meals. So. Yeah, I mean, you think of how much we were cooking. We, I bet you, <laughs> we had it, We had the truck loaded down, many coolers as you could get in the back, just full. I mean, I had my big, big Grizzly, The you know, the 400 quart one in there was loaded to the top. Two big Yetis was loaded. The barbecue trailer was just <laughs> full of all kinds of supplies. We didn't bring anything back. We left it all there. But it was, you know, it was, it was a lot of fun. I mean, I'm glad we got to go do that. I hope that, you know, I'd love to do it again sometime. Yeah. Maybe. I think um, next time we kind of know that they just kind of grab and go when they're eating. You know, I was imagining they were going to make a plate, sit down and eat lunch or yeah. sit down and eat dinner. And they don't do that. They kind of have to. Those guys are under the gun. Yeah, man. they're under, grabbing. It's almost like a barbecue contest yeah. in, in some way. That you was, know? you know, that was the neat thing about it to me. I, I kind of, you know, I know what we do in barbecue, what it's like on, say, a Friday or Saturday night. And when we're around the racers. And it's the same thing. You had guys coming over wanting to borrow stuff. You had ones trying to figure out what you were going to do on the track. And they were yeah. just talking shop. And it's just, it correlates, you know. Yeah, I mean, and after not, the race, they're talking about the track. And yeah. It, it, just sound, it sounded, the, the conversation just sounded like something you would hear at a barbecue contest. And I kind of, you know, got a little bit tickled at that. I was yeah. like, listen to these guys, you know. <laughs> they're talking like we do about stuff. Here we are cooking barbecue and they're out there. You know, racing 300 miles an hour. <laughs> they had a little bit bigger setup than where you see. Yeah, I'd say. <laughs> well, Robert got to show you his car. What did, what did you think about his car and that whole setup? No way. I said he's not even driving a car. He's kind of riding a motor. That's all it is. They put it. They strap <laughs> him in the there, like ship. right on top of it. I mean, he's straddling the the drive shaft, and the motor's right there. I mean, it's just so it's dangerous. crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. There's no way that that I could climb off in one of those. <laughs> It need to be like eighteen wheeler drags. I could do one of those. The Harley ones. Those, just, those guys are just as crazy. Those top fuel crazy. Those uh, top fuel Harley guys. They're running, you know, close to three hundred miles an hour on, on the Harley. Harley. Yeah, I miss those. But they weren't like when when the Harleys went by. Did it shake you like it would? The, Not like the, yeah. The I mean, it was loud, cars. but it wasn't. They weren't. At, they're still pretty loud. But. Well, Fourth uh, of July is coming up. So today, I thought. We talk about hosting a big 4th of July cookout, how to plan for it, how to create a menu, how much meat you got to serve, a few little entertaining tips we might have. Yeah. Because one thing me and you really enjoy doing is hosting 
hosting parties and events at our house. Yeah, we do it. I mean, that's something. That's the part that I like the cooking, the planning part. Yeah. I don't get into the hosting and the, and the setting up and all that stuff. That's but all. I do. That's so your department. Yeah. It works. But really no, well. I like figuring out what it takes. So you asked me the question when you said, "Well, you know, what would you serve a barbecue, or how, you know, how do you come up with something?" And I always try to say, "You want two proteins and at least uh, one starch and one vegetable." That's what I like to do. You know, doesn't matter if it's like your starches, your potato salad, and your vegetables, your coleslaw. That's fine. Whatever you decide, that's what that's the way I always like to do it. Yeah. Like to always okay. go to proteins. Um, you know, for Fourth of July, to me, it's always ribs. You got to have ribs, and then whatever else you have goes with it. I mean, you could do pulled pork, you could do brisket, you could do chicken, whatever you want. But for me, Fourth of July, it's all about ribs. I Our family's done that. I mean. That's the one time of year that you knew we was going to have, have barbecue ribs. So let's talk about the pre-planning phase. Sure. So first thing you do is you got to make your menu. And you kind of touched on that. You really need two proteins, one starch, one veg. Is that yeah. what you're... Well, I mean, you got to think. Most time people are going to bring something. So I yeah. kind of... And, they're most, and, and most times somebody's going to bring a side dish or a dessert or something like that. And that's fine. You can yeah. set all that stuff out. But you want to make sure that you have... First, I did how many guests are coming, yeah, and then you want to make sure you got enough meat for you know everybody gets serving. So that's and that's probably the hardest thing people have with with doing it. Um, I like to figure you know most people are on average um, are going to probably eat if you've got two proteins, they're going to eat about a quarter you know quarter pound of each. That's uh, four ounces is what I figure. That's pretty good serving. I mean, yeah, you got to think if you sit down if you serving. eat eight ounces of meat at a, at, a, at one sitting, that's a lot. So I, that's usually what I figure for because I'd rather have a little more than two, than a little less. Yeah. And so if you know if if I'm cooking pork butts, for instance, I know that they're going to yield one eight to ten pound pork butt's going to yield me about four to five pounds of pulled meat. So it's going to feed about fifteen, you know, a good average fifteen people, fifteen good servings. Yeah. Not Somewhere in that range, fifteen to twenty. You know. We're talking adults. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're talking adults. Yeah. What about ribs? How many slabs? Do um, you usually, I figure one slab per three people is how I do it. Yeah. So. And that's if you've got if you've got two. Proteins. If you've definitely got another protein to go with it, if you're figuring ribs only, I'd probably go a half slab. Yeah. And I try to, you know, I try to always cut them in single bone servings because you don't want somebody to go, you know, if you're serving food, they're gonna give them a plate of ribs and then not eat them because they've, you know, because you've got them cut two or three bone sections. Yeah. But if you've got them in one bone pieces, it's likely that somebody will take three bones and that's all they'll get. Or, you know, a kid might just want one bone. Or, yeah, you know, yeah. A, I'd prefer to eat them in one bone. I mean, yeah. it takes a little longer to cut them up like that, but they seem to go a little further and they're a little more manageable. Well, I mean, y'all do the thing where you throw a little sauce on the board, flip the ribs over and just like Cut them, one, yeah, that's the, that's the easiest way to do it. Yeah. I mean... If you turn them over and flip them to where you can see that underside and see the bones, you can feel where it's going. You can make one cut, and you're, before you know it, you've done, you know, rolled through 15 racks of ribs. Yeah. It doesn't take any time. And I'll always want to have two dips or, you know, a dip and an appetizer or something like that. And that's something you could get people to bring. That's something you can do ahead of time. But I always like to, um, from my standpoint, I always want to have a dip and a dip and an appetizer, something like that. My favorite app, app to do, I call it an app, is kind of to get started eating is the sausage and cheese. Yeah. I mean, it's just a thing around here. It's easy to do. You can get two or three links of smoked sausage, throw it on the smoker while your other stuff's on, cut it up, throw it out on a wood cutting board with some, you know, cheese cubes and 
some pickles, some you know jalapeno, whatever you want to, you know, whatever Toothpicks, kind of pickle yeah. veg you want. And the good thing about that it is makes you it don't great need plates. something to munch on. Yeah, yeah, you don't need plates. If you put out um, a shot glass, works really good to yeah. put toothpicks in. And you can have those toothpicks out there, and people can just, you know, graze Have you a on couple it. different barbecue sauces yeah. to dip? I've seen it done with ranch or even honey mustard. Yeah. Goes great with it. Uh, usually we serve saltine crackers just because that's what they do in restaurants around here. It's, um, it's sausage and cheese with the saltine and a piece of peppercini pepper. Well, when we sit down and kind of plan out, we say, okay, we're going to have 30 people over at the house to do a big barbecue. Um, the first thing we do is make our menu. You know, we say, okay, we're going to do ribs and pork or pulled chicken or whatever. We decide what our menu is. And then we make out our list. So I say, what well, everything we need for pulled pork, you know. You've got pork. to have a list. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the one thing. We start, even if it's for comps or whatever, we start with the list. Even and if so, we're cooking for Christmas dinner. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. That, that's the way I'm running it. I'm, I'm going in organized. Because I want to enjoy, I want to enjoy the party or the festivities, whatever it is we're doing too. And if I start out organized and we got all, you know, we start with our list, we go buy all our stuff, and then we prep everything ahead of time, and then we start cooking and we give ourselves plenty of time to cook. I mean, it just makes it go smooth. Yeah, and I've learned to like you, we make our menu, and then from the menu we can make a, a list. You know, we need butts. But you also need foil and sauce. And, yeah, and, and injection and, if you're doing yeah. it or whatever. You, you got to take all that into consideration. And, and also, what I like to do is kind of imagine going through the food line. Like, you're going to need a plate, and you're going to need a napkin, and you're going to need a fork. You know, we're also going to need cups for this, and I'm going to need, uh, you know. All that's going on the list. Yeah, all yeah, that's going yeah. I need two pairs of tongs for. See, that's getting in deep because I don't think about all that stuff. I I'm do. just, I'm I thinking about that. the meat. I'm thinking about what meat I'm going to cook. Most of the time, the sides, I just turn those over to you, unless it's a grilled side. Yeah. But, that, um, you know, I go through the same steps. I want to have all... Turn it over to me. You micromanage it <laughs> to make sure I do it just the way you want it done. Well, that's how it's supposed to be. You got to have a good supervisor. You didn't know that? But no, that's, I mean, that's the important part. When you're, you know, when you're cooking for a group like that, you want to be prepared. Yeah. You want to have all your ducks in a row. Have your list. It makes shopping for it easier. And it makes preparing it easier. And we um, also do kind of the, a two-buy. Yeah. We'll do a buy for non-perishable items several days before. Make it easier on us. Get it out of the way. And then we'll go buy, do a buy like the day before for your breads and your, you know, milk or whatever. Anything perishable. Anything meat, perishable. Yeah. Veg. Yeah. And with your prep work, you want to do as much prep as you possibly can. Like for this catering job that we did, all our sauces we made the night before, you know, we made before we got there. We didn't show up with the ingredients to make sauce, you know. Yeah. We showed up with a made sauce. Well, that we went as up. far as the coleslaw dressing. Yeah. That went, I mean, cooking the bacon ahead of time that we were putting in stuff, browning the sausage that we were using. We came with it all prepared. And that's how that's how you should go at one at home, too. Yeah. If, I mean, if it's for the 4th of July... You might want to start on the 2nd of July getting yes. ready. I mean, for real, that's that's what I do. Especially if you're and, having a big party. And I'm working out a cook timeline, too. It's like, you know, if I know I'm cooking butts for the 4th of July and people are going to be over there around lunchtime, I'm not going to start get up that morning and start those butts. I'm going to start the night before. And I'm more likely, I'm going to have them getting done about 6, 7 a.m. That way I can hold them and not be pushing anything. Because the last thing you want to do if you're cooking for, you know, a, any kind of catering job or a party or anything like that is be pushing stuff at the end. 
Now there's a fine line, like say on ribs and chicken, how long you can hold smaller stuff like that. But I still give myself extra time um, to make sure, because I mean, I can, I can hold ribs for an hour and a half, something yeah. like that, and they'll still be really good. So I wouldn't start my ribs the night before. I would start them early that morning. Uh, they're, you know, there's, there's going to be a trade-off. If you want good quality stuff, you're going to have yeah. to put in the hard work for it. Um, and I know like with broccoli salad, I don't get up, you know, the day of the event and, per, and cook Chop the broccoli. Chop 20 pounds yeah. of broccoli. I, the night before, I'll make the dressing for the broccoli salad. I'll cook the bacon for the broccoli salad. I'll chop the broccoli salad, and I'll have all those components kind of lined out. So that morning, I can just kind of throw it all together. So what do you, you store it all in, like, Tupperware bowls yeah, or, or bags. bags? Yeah, and keep it. And so, I, I, for especially for sides and dips, if you can make it or do anything the day before or two days before, do it. It's going to well, make your life so much easier. And that's not even if you're doing it at your house. If you're taking it somewhere, mm-hmm. it makes doing that easy, too. Because when you get to somebody else's house, you don't have to depend on, you know, using their stuff or them yeah. having ingredients. Yeah. You've got it all ready to go. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to say, can I borrow your cutting board and a bowl and some spoons? Yeah, yeah. Measure cups. And, yeah. The whole nine yards. <laughs> no, have that ready to go because you you've done the prep, you know. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about cooking. Well, that kind of goes Actual back cooking. into into making a timeline for yourself too when you're cooking mm-hmm. i mean if it, if you know it's going to take you eight to ten hours to do a butt give yourself 12 if i know ribs take me four and a half five hours i'm giving myself six i just add an extra time to it and i do make a timeline even though you know even today as much as how often as i've cooked butts and ribs for instance i'll still sit down make a timeline when i'm gonna <clears throat> excuse me got a little verklempt <laughs> <laughs> but no, I'll make a, I'll, I'll make a timeline for you know when I'm cooking simple stuff. It doesn't matter. It just helps me stay on track. And you know, if I'm having a few beers, I can still <laughs> look at my list and say, okay, I'm all right. I didn't forget. I didn't forget where I was. <laughs> and uh, you know, one thing that it kind of happened to us this weekend. If you're loading down your cooker, you need a little more time. See, so that's a lot of times people don't realize that. Whenever you, you know, yeah, you might can cook one butt in eight hours. But when you have 16 butts on there, what does that do to your grill? Well, anytime you put more mass on there and you fill it up, it's going to slow cooking down. It slows the air down. It's colder temps going on there. That drops it down. And it just takes longer. To, to cook the cooker's maximum capacity, it, it increases the time a lot. So you, so you have to take that in consideration. When you're making your time. The, the best thing you can know to do is, is give yourself plenty of time and expect to hold and know that your big meats are even better when you hold them. And then you know your hold times on things like your ribs and, and your chicken and stuff like that that you're pushing you know closer to the time of serving. But once you figure that out, you're going to turn out really good barbecue every time. Yeah, and not have people standing around. Yeah, not, yeah that's right. I mean, you, you hate that when you go to a place and you know you, it's time everybody's supposed to be eating and they're sitting around waiting on the ribs. Yeah. Or they're, they're waiting on the brisket to get done or the cook's pushing it to the end, trying to fireball it to get it there. There's nothing worse than that. One thing that we've made the mistake of before is forgetting to pull out the frozen meat and letting it thaw. You know, it'll be like the day before, and it's like, oh, crap. We forgot to pull the ribs out of the freezer. Yeah. I mean, there's ways to quick thaw, and we've done it. <laughs> I think I've done them all. The easiest way I've found is I'll just put everything in a cooler, fill that cooler up with ice, and let it set for a few hours with the door propped open. That, you know, it, it raises the temp. It keeps it cool enough in that cooler because it's insulated. That it doesn't get in the danger zone, but it does speed up the thaw process. But also, if you plan ahead... You don't have to worry about it. I try now. 
I try to let everything slow thaw in the fridge for three or four days, which is the way you're supposed to do it. And that's it great in theory, but, <laughs> but it doesn't work all the time. Yeah, it doesn't work all the time. It takes a, you know, I can thaw a butt in six, seven hours in wind water. Ribs thaw out fast in water. So there's no, you know, brisket's about like a butt. It's going to thaw about the same. You know, I'd like to, you know, if I'm doing that, I know I'm going to need six, seven hours just to get it thawed. Yeah. And I'm not seasoning something, fro trying to season something froze, throwing it on the pit. I've heard of guys doing that and letting it thaw out while it's, you know, cooking. I think it's not good barbecue. Yeah. What happens to the meat if it, if it hits there? I, I mean, the it's going to go, it's going to cook, but it's going to, it's going to it's gonna be weird texture. I mean, you're going through that speed thaw process so fast in the heat, it's just tearing up the proteins of the meat. It's it's not going to be good. Yeah. I mean, you can, can you do it? Yeah, it can be done, but I wouldn't I wouldn't advise it. Let's talk about how to keep food warm. Like you've got your food done, and it's time to serve. What's the best way to keep it warm? What I always do is, you know, most of the stuff we're wrapping at some point, either in butcher paper or aluminum foil or in a pan or something like that. When it comes off the pit, I'm going to vent that, let some of that that you know heat off of it, and then I'm dropping it just in a dry cooler. And, it, you know, you don't have to have $400 Yeti to hold something. I mean, I'll tell you, the ones that, that work the best to me are the cheap ones, yeah. Well, um, what are those called? Island Breeze that we get yeah. at Walmart? They're like <laughs> yeah, $18 coolers. They make great holding boxes because they don't hold it too tight. And you don't want, you know, so you don't want something that's going to seal up perfectly and it's going to hold all that heat in. The idea is to keep it warm, but still to let some out so the cooking process stops. When it's time to serve, you kind of pull as needed. Is yeah, and, that, and the, they, I mean, the, those coolers act just as what you hear people talk about, Cambros or insulated, you know, food holding cabinets. Coolers do the same thing, and they're great. I mean, everybody's probably got an old cooler around. You can throw a few old towels in the bottom of it, drop your meat down in there, and, and use it as you need it, you know. Instead what? of, or even what we'll do a lot of times is say if we're serving pulled pork, for example, We'll pull our pulled pork, put it in a Ziploc bag, put it back in a pan, cover it, stick it back in a cooler, and it holds it so warm. It keeps all that juice in there being in that Ziploc bag. It's just as good as, as when it first come off the mm -hmm. pit. And then you can just replenish your, you know. Your tray or, your tray you know, or whatever you're serving it, platter, whatever you're serving it. Uh, yep. Instead of dumping it all out there and letting it sit there on top of Sterno or something like that. I like to, I like to keep it in smaller batches, and I, it stays fresher that way. So even... So even if we're doing a catering gig, I like giving them half pans instead of full pans yeah. because it stays fresher, you know. And a lot of times what I'll do is I'll give it to them in Ziploc bags and then tell them, dump this out in a half pan. You know, or, keep the yeah, rest, we'll put the bag hold in the rest, yeah, yeah, and that way it's going to be really, really fresh. Um, so what are your favorite things to serve? I know you said ribs. We talked about pulled pork. Brisket. I mean, I, I, I always do sausage and cheese. Yeah. I mean, it's I like so doing easy. steaks. Steaks is a little more trickier to do for a lot of people. Steaks is more of a, um, you invite four people over for dinner kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah, kind of dinner. kind of couples nice dinner or something yeah. like that. It's harder to do for a big group, um, but I mean, just your standard barbecue. I love doing whole hog. Yes. It's probably one of my favorites <laughs> to do for a lot of people because it's you get to put on kind of the display of the hog. It feeds so many people. And it's fun to cook. Yeah. I mean, whole hog's fun to cook. So it makes a great 4th of July, too. I mean, You know, one thing that we've done before that we went over really, really well is we smoked whole chickens and then pulled them and served it with like a Hawaiian or a sweet sauce on little like Hawaiian rolls, yeah. you know? Well, I love doing wings, too. Yeah. Uh, pulled chicken. Uh, pulled chicken's excellent. Um, your firecracker chicken recipe. 
That's like, a, yeah, that was a really, really good one. It was one. delicious. And you used a whole chicken and cut it up and cooked those little pieces, but you could do firecracker wings, firecracker drummies. Yeah, however yeah. you want to do it. But chicken drummies are really good to serve for like kids, you know. Kids like the drumsticks. Yeah, they go for those. Um, what I like about wings is if you can do party wings, they go such a long ways. Yeah. I mean, you, you can buy them four-pound bags and fill a grill up with party wings, and they go a really long way. The jalapeno poppers are pretty good. They're labor-intensive, yeah. though. Because but that's something you could prep build, the night Yeah, before. you'd have to. You'd have to prep. Something like that you definitely want to prep. Uh, brisket's always great. Uh, chuck roast. I, I, a lot of times I'll do chuck roast if I'm doing pulled beef, like for tacos or for anything like that. I'll I'll do chuck roast instead of brisket. Yeah. One because it's cheaper and then it's got it's got a bit more fat content, so it's really really good eats. And um, I'm really big on bars, like a taco bar or a um, nacho hamburger bar. bar, nacho bar. <laughs> yeah. Well, that way it's almost like you get. You get a lot further with your one protein, you know? Yeah. Especially like pulled pork. You can make pulled pork sandwich or do nachos with the nacho bar, you know? It's kind of dual purpose up. in your stuff. Yeah. Well, you know, it's great to do bars. that too with uh, if you're doing chicken because you can do chick- pulled chicken and pulled pork. And then you get people that, you know, they may not want the red meat or whatever, yeah. but they'll definitely eat the chicken. So they'll make nachos out of chicken or they'll make the little chicken sandwiches. Yeah. Works great. And it's... It kind of gives you a lot more options and gives your guests a lot more options. Yeah, I don't, um, I don't invite people that don't eat red meat to my house. So. <laughs> Whatever. We've had several people <laughs> over. Um, Only once. <laughs> once you find out they're off the list. <laughs> uh, a few sides that I like to do. The broccoli salad's always a good one. That one's a hit every time yeah. you do it. And it's one of those things that all the prep works the day before. And it's so much. I, I really look for sides. That I can almost just set out the day of. Because for me, my my side of us having people over, there's a lot of cooking, cleaning, <laughs> decorating, setting up. Trash and, taking out. <laughs> yeah. Little things like that. That I'd rather be focused on the day of instead of, you know, actual cooking. I'm going to focus on the meat. That's what I do. Yeah. So. And the bro- uh, potato salad, baked beans, coleslaw. Those are all kinds of Those are of traditional standards. stuff yeah. that, that you, got to, you have to do. The one that I like to do, and I do do it on the grill, is the mac and cheese. Yeah. The smoked mac and cheese, it's always a huge hit. And with those type dishes, you can put them together and have them sitting in the fridge ready to go. All you do is pop them in day of. Well, you set them out. <clears throat> I, I highly recommend setting them out for an hour. Right on the counter yeah. instead of putting them in, yeah, instead of putting them in cold. Yeah, yeah let them go tip. in room temp. Yeah. Um, that recipe is always a winner whenever we do it. I mean, people love it. Yeah. And it... I like to go for things that are light on, you know, July 4th or the hotter holidays. We don't do a lot of the hot sides. Maybe beans, but that's usually yeah. about it. But even, it doesn't matter how hot it is. If you put the macaroni and cheese out, it's going to be gone. Uh, we probably, I mean, I, I won't be doing that 4th of July this year. I mean, that's more, to me, it's always something I like to do at Thanksgiving or in the yeah. fall when we're doing football parties and stuff like that. Fruit salad's a great Pasta recipe. salad's yeah. always a winner. And there's a lot of, you can get the box pasta salads. It's really good. We do a Tuscan pasta salad, BLT pasta salad. I mean, there's so many options. Corn salads. Um, you do that grilled corn salad. It's really good. Yeah. And you do just grilled corn. How do you grill corn? Well, I like to do it just in the husk. Yeah. I don't do anything. I just take it in the husk, put it on there, let it go to the, you know, the husk kind of protects it, dries it out. I'll pull it back and check it. See when the corn starts feeling really hot inside, you can tell you steaming. 
that's when you take it off and then you husk it and serve it however you want. The one I really like to do is that Mexican street corn where you know you, you take the mayo and you put it over the grilled corn and you season it with the that Mexican seasoning. Tijin. How do you say that? Tijin, I think, yeah. or something like that. Oh, but wow. it's like a spicy fruit seasoning, really. But yeah. it's great. I mean, it's great on the corn. Sprinkle it with that Mexican cheese. Squeeze some lime on it. Oh, man, it's so good. That says summertime to me. Yeah. I mean, just the plain corn, just when you grill it in that shuck and pull it back and you run up, rub a little butter on it, it's... It's delicious. I don't know what grilling it in the shuck does, but... kind of steams it, but yeah. it still gets a little bit of grill flavor. Now, you can burn it in the shuck. If you get it too close to the, the heat source and on the grill, it's going to char it. But um, I, I like it just because it protects it. Heck, you can even throw the shucks in the microwave and cook them like that. That's why my dad does it. <laughs> he keeps them in the freezer and takes them out, puts them straight in the microwave, and cooks them in like seven, eight minutes a, a year. I mean, it, it, doesn't take, it takes a little bit longer on the grill to do it, but yeah. I think it's better on the grill. I think that it's easier to shuck it. Yeah, all the silks hot. come yeah. off once they're hot. They just peel right off. You don't have to fight them to get them off. That's what, And that's what makes it easy. Then you just chop the end, and you're ready to go. And uh, some dips. We love that crack dip. That's always a hit when I set it out. Man, the, I'll tell you which one I really like, and it's another cooked one. It's that hot buffalo wing dip yeah. that you can do with smoked chicken. That was oh, always so good. good. Um, so good. And there's, uh, Jamie was telling me this weekend about like a fruit salsa or a watermelon salsa. And I was like, I think we would really like that. So I'm going to try that. But I think that'd be a great. You know, a grilled watermelon. You could do grilled watermelon and make a salsa. That would be really good. It's a summertime recipe. Yeah. And I also created a little list of, uh, I guess you could call these shells entertaining tips. This is just something that I've learned over the years. Um, make as much disposable as possible. It, that's just easy on you. It's easy. Don't, don't. Heck use yeah. Who wants to do dishes when you're at a party yeah. and it's all over? Don't use real but you know what? Don't skimp out either and go the styrofoam cheap route. Get a decent paper product. Yes. Chinettes. I mean, they're not that expensive. I, you know, that's a personal pet peeve of mine. You go somewhere and you get a plate and you're trying to get ribs and pork and brisket and all that sides go on and you got in this little crappy plate and it folds in half and yep. you end up dropping it or your fork breaks when or you're your trying fork to breaks. eat yeah i hate that make sure you set up garbage cans and several of them i hate when i don't know where to put my garbage somewhere or it's a little filled bit up, yeah, yeah. Or it's filled up well another tip there is if, if when you're putting in a liner in a garbage can if you go ahead and put a couple extra like hang them over the side then put the liner in it makes changing out the garbage really easy, and more yeah. people are likely to yeah. to go ahead and pull that bag and put another one on there for you. That way, because I mean, you know, you're generating a lot of, at a party or something, mm -hmm. and especially a big cookout like on Fourth of July or something. You're generating a lot of trash. Don't forget garbage pickup that week either, because we've done that. <laughs> we're, we're, we just had to, we got a nice nasty note one year because we were just setting garbage out beside it because we overflowed. We forgot it that week. Fourth of July fell like it is this week, middle of the week. So it's going to throw all the trash pickups off, and it's going to be a nightmare. Oh, but we had a trash pickup. We'll give friends to volunteer. Yeah, get friends to volunteer to take the trash with them. <laughs> That's actually happened before. Had no we had to. We didn't have a choice. Yeah. 
Um, make sure you have a place for all your food to go. You know, a, a table or a dining room table, a folding table, whatever it is. Somewhere other than where people are hanging out. Yes. Because there's nothing worse than having the food and people, you know, it, people want to congregate in the kitchen. That's great. But I would say move the food to a separate table or something like you're talking about. Because people, you know, they can't get up to it. If you got a large crowd and everybody's hanging out there, some people aren't going, you know, some people aren't going to get to eat. So I like we like to spread it out. We like to have, you know, the main food table, and then maybe like the appetizers over here, and desserts over there, and drink station. Yeah, no, and your own drink station where you can make your drinks, and that's where your cups go, and you know plenty all your booze. Hey, make sure plenty of ice. If somebody great, asks what to bring, tell them ice. A great recipe them. for Fourth of July party is the bullfrog. Yeah. It's Eddie Reed's concoction he came up with. And if you haven't tried it, I'm going to tell you real quick how to do it. All you need is like a big two or three gallon pitcher with like one of the spigots on it. And you can get those anywhere. You can use an igloo. You can use a drink. Yeah, you can use whatever you want. Not a tea pitcher. You need something big. You need something big, a dispenser. And then here's the ingredients. You need a liter of good vodka. Your your choice, what brand. I like Tito's or Cathead, something like that. That's great. If you want to go the cheap stuff, hey, go the cheap stuff. But then you need about three liters of Sprite. And that's just lemon lime soda. You could doesn't have to be Sprite. You could use off brand if you want. I recommend getting the Sprite. You like the Sprite? Yeah. Well, I've used I've used Seven Up. I've used we've used yeah. it all. We've been making this for years. But then, so you got three liters of Sprite or soda, one liter of vodka. You need a can each of the limeade and the lemonade concentrate. Minute Maid is the yeah. brand we always buy on that. They're what couple ounces? You get them in the freezer. Yeah, they're probably section. four or six ounces. They're over yeah. with the frozen juice cocktails. Uh, you know, the mixers and all that stuff and the frozen aisle. And can each of those, put them in there, stir it around, um, add some sliced fruit, um, oranges, limes, lemons, all that makes a good garnish to put in there. And well, you've, you've even done cherries, right? Yeah, Just buy a jar of cherries. Add that to it. Yeah. But it's a really refreshing summertime drink. If you want to make it stouter, cut the sprite back a little bit as the night goes on. It'll really get interesting. But no, That's people. It's deadly. I it mean, is it's, because you don't taste the you don't taste the vodka, and it tastes like really good lemonade. And man, it's a great it refreshing Fourth of July drink. Yeah. It's gotten me in trouble on a timer yeah. day. Stay away from the fireworks that night if you start drinking the bullfrogs. <laughs> It'll have you hopping. <laughs> Last time I drank it, I was like, I'm not drinking this stuff again. <laughs> no, it's great. Yeah, it is. As it's going down the next morning, it's a whole other story. What did I do last night? So what are we talking about? What else do we have that we want to talk about? Have coolers for ice for drinks, you know. Uh, make You're sure going to use more ice than you ever yeah. anticipate, especially in like 4th of July. Have places for people to drop their, have a cooler set up for people to drop beers in. You know, have drinks for the kids. We just buy some Kool-Aid jammers if you got kids coming over. Juice box type yeah. drinks. Um, have some basic drinks. Kids. Who's going to have kids over? <laughs> it's adults party. You know, have drinks for everybody. Make sure they have places for them. Make sure they have ice for them. Napkins. Make sure you have plenty of napkins. You don't want to run out. But set napkins out everywhere. Set them out on the drink station. Set them out on the food station. Set them out, you know, wherever. Make it nice and presentable. People eat with their eyes first. Don't just throw it out there. You don't have to get all crazy like I do and put baskets out for your buns and your chips. I just want to be shown to the meat. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be presentable. That's going to be the main draw. I think a lot of guys, see, a lot of this is the women's stuff. I don't yeah. think guys are going to do all this don't, stuff. Don't. <laughs> 
don't underestimate. Yeah. Do you, you think everybody should still know the half funny napkins? Yes. <laughs> that's just being a good host. It is. I mean, hey, I guess you're right. Get you I'm, a decent tablecloth set up. shop towels, couch That's what we're using at the grill. You know how guys are. Clean out your fridge. Go ahead and clean it out the day or two before. Yeah, because you're going to need all that space. Yeah, you're going to need all the space you can. Make sure you go around before everybody gets there and check your bathrooms for TP. Make sure you put plenty, <laughs> plenty of toilet paper. Once again, we go breeze. outside. <laughs> Find the nearest bush. <laughs> go. Make sure you have extra toilet paper in all your bathrooms and a little Febreze or what's that stuff that the porta the potty. Oh, yeah. I don't even know. Um, what is that stuff called? Poopery. Poopery. <laughs> don't, go, don't go to your friend's house and blow it up. <laughs> Please. <laughs> but if they need to, you need to have the right things. <laughs> oh, you're killing me, Shell. Is there anything else that is a pet peeve? Those are all great tips. tips yeah. They are. I don't really have any pet peeves, you know. I think the best part is I love going to barbecues and that's what makes cooking what we do so fun is getting together with people, yeah. friends and family and, you know, cooking for them and letting people, you know, enjoy stuff. And we always, I always encourage you if you're going somewhere like that, man, make a dish, stop and take something, find, yeah. you know, find something you can bring. It Desserts are always be, good. It doesn't have to be the star of the show, especially if you're going somewhere. Now, if you're hosting... Show out on that grill. Yeah. There's plenty of great recipes out there. And, you know, um, we, we get questions all the time on it. How much should I cook for, you know, a certain amount of people and all that. And that stuff, if, you know, if you've never done it before, you may not know. So yeah. ask. Definitely shoot us an email or put it out there on one of the forums and look for some help. Because well, like you said, you could have a good uh, It's all about planning. Farm. Yeah. Yeah. But Three and four ounces a person. Per person per. cooked is what you always want to estimate. That's what I per want to protein. estimate. Yeah. Average person is probably not going to eat about eight ounces of protein at an event like that. That's, a, that's just a good estimate. But you never know. You might have more people You may up. have. And that's you right. And that's prepared. why you want to be prepared. You want to do all your planning. And that's really what, what Shell's want to stress about making your list, um, about doing all the prep work, about, you know, thinking about things that you can set out that's, that they may sound mundane or something that everybody knows, but you may not know to go fill the, put all the toilet paper in the bathroom before people get there. <laughs> you really, I mean, that's for real, you know, you may not. And I also like to have a clean dishwasher, an empty dishwasher, because so as dirty dishes start accumulating, they don't accumulate in your sink. Yeah. That's, you can put that's them off in your, in your Designated bag. dishwasher, too. Yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> um, you know, this just popped in my head, but that, that char-glazed rib recipe would be perfect, you know. For 4th of July, yeah. that is a good one. And that's a great, that recipe is a great way if, if you are pit, uh, pitch for time. You know that you don't have time to fully cook ribs that morning, but you can cook them a day or two in the head, hold them in the fridge, and then char-grill them and glaze them, char-glaze them their day of, and they would bring them right back. Yeah. I mean, are they? Yeah, I mean, that really is a great recipe. Especially great. for a lunchtime deal. Yeah. You know, if you've got till six o'clock for people coming over, you've got plenty of time to cook yeah. ribs. Yeah. But if people are showing up at 11. But if it's a lot of people, you may not have the capacity to do it. See, that's, that's true. another one. So you got to think about, you know, what kind of equipment you had to cook on, what you can actually handle, and then how you're going to timeline that out. Yeah. <clears throat> you can also pre-cook your pork butt if you needed to. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, issue. you can do that and you can rewarm it. It's never as good. And I do say cook, you know, if you want the absolute best, you want your, your, your friends or family or whoever you're cooking for to have the absolute best, cook it fresh. 
Now, if it's just not possible, hey, it's uh, I've been there. I've had to do. I've you know I've had to cook and rewarm before. It's just the way the constraints worked out. Mm-hmm. We didn't weren't able to do it, but and it's still good, really good. You can make you know reheated pulled pork is one that really does great reheated. Yeah, and you know people still love it. And doing the but it's better fresh. I yeah. promise you. I promise you. Everything's better fresh like that. Well, yeah. But there's some people that have small cookers and are limited in capacity yeah. and stuff. And, you know, before we wrap it up, we were just going to touch on, you know, your 4th of July growing up. Yeah, well, you know, I said earlier that we always had ribs. That was what our family did. I mean, yeah, when we got together with the aunts and uncles and all that. Did y'all do it every year, 4th of July? <clears throat> yeah, we always did. And it was always usually at some lake or big park or somewhere where everybody hung out and kids could swim and... The guys always played horseshoes, or we got a little football game going. I, I, I just this is all different memories that I've had of Fourth of July. Of course, you know we blowed a lot of stuff up, <laughs> but it was always ribs. And back then, you know, I mean, I had some uncles and stuff that had some homemade type smokers, but it was nothing to the scale that we do now. Yeah. And there's been a lot of times where, hey, my mom. She said she's going to handle the ribs, and she did the old sin where she cut them up, parboiled them, and brought them out to the party, and and then they char-glazed them, you know, a parboiled yeah. rib. And I thought that was good eating as a kid. I didn't, I didn't know any better. It wasn't until later that I ain't seen a rib bone in a pot of water in a long time. <laughs> but but that, was, that was some of my earliest memories of Fourth of July and barbecues. I mean, we had everything else to go with it, too. Yeah, all the sides. They're all the sides, and burgers, and dogs, and wings, and... All that, but it was always ribs were the best part to me. And, you know, I just remember, you know, seeing people with sauce from ear to ear mm-hmm. and, and all the great times and memories of doing that. Now, your family takes the 4th of July to a whole nother level. Yeah, I mean, especially back in the day when my dad was still alive. Well, I mean, ever since I can remember, the whole community came to my grandparents' house for 4th of July. It wasn't just family. Yeah, right? it wasn't yeah. just family. It was kind of an open invitation of whoever wants to come, you know, and there'd be 200, 300 people show up at my grandparents' house. And the way that they did it, they just set it up in their backyard. You brought your own chair. Um, my dad would cook a whole hog. Uh, my uncle would cook lamb, and I'll talk about that because that was one of my favorites. My other uncle would cook goat. My grandfather would fry catfish. Um what else would we have? Peach ice cream. I remember, yeah. I remember the peach homemade ice cream. My grandmother would always make peach homemade ice cream. And there'd be this huge drink station. Because what they would use is what the, uh, the thing you wind a uh, big electrical cording on. Just Yeah, one of the big spools. Yeah, one of those has, big yeah. wooden spools. Yeah. That's what we had for tables back then. <laughs> so we'd set up drink stations and my grandfather would make um, a ton of lemonade. And we'd fill up one of those big orange spouted job coolers yeah Yeah. yeah. and we'd have one with lemonade one with sweet tea and one with water and that was it there was no you know bottled water or cokes or anything there was no no adult beverages at this (laughs) time no no at least you didn't know about it (laughs) yeah and uh my grandmother would always make peach homemade ice cream and everyone would bring a side dish and that was just how it was and i usually my my father would I came from a rural family. My father was a <laughs> cotton farmer, and he would take the sides off his cotton trailers. And so we just had this huge, long, flat trailer, and that's where everybody would put these side dishes, and it would just be, I don't know how many Fourth side dishes. Fourth of July dishes. buffet style. <laughs> I, don't, I can't even, like, uh, uh, 
guess how many side dishes there would be. But we'd have pulled goat because they'd smoke goat. They'd have pulled pork because they'd do a whole hog. And my uncles would um, process... I don't want to say they would kill. Slaughter. Slaughter a lamb the day before. A couple of lamb. A couple probably. of them and chop them into little pieces and then marinate it overnight and grill it pretty quick, pretty fast. But I guess the marinade and the sauce that they used, it was always so good. It was always wish, my favorite. I wish that we could get that recipe. Yeah. I'd love to try to duplicate that. Well, I've gotten it from my grandmother a few times, but it's always been different every time. She, she's got it written down and... <laughs> random places on random books and stuff so jim's goat marinade yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uncle jim's goat marinade <laughs> but Version i mean one. it was always a big big deal and it was that's how i remember fourth of july those i mean that's what makes you know barbecue and, and holidays and all that special stuff the memories you get of it and yeah. how it is but we'd play yeah. baseball and you know yeah all kinds of stuff. I got. I actually got to go to that a couple times when we were, you know, first when we were first dating. And I saw how big. I, I was blown away. It was. It was like a political rally to me. It was because <laughs> all the people in all the, the politicians were there, but they couldn't. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, it was a lot it. of fun. But, hey, I hope. I mean, we're gonna have a great time Fourth of July. I'm doing next week. I'm gonna do a Texas style pork butt, which is just. That's kind of going to be my 4th of July video. We'll release it next week. Uh, it's just salt and pepper pork butt. Yeah. Wrapped in butcher paper on post oak. It doesn't get any simpler than that. And I just call it Texas style because it reminds me of those spare ribs and brisket that we get when we go to Texas. When you keep talking about it being Texas style, I keep thinking they don't do a lot of pork in Texas. They don't, but I, the, the, the flavor is really what gets yeah. it to me. Using that post oak wood and using just salt and pepper, to me that's... To me, that's Texas style. If you got salt, pepper, post oak, you 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 must be from Texas, <laughs> or, or either you've been through Texas. The one that you did that you were kind of like playing with your practice one, I guess, was delicious. So yeah, it had a lot of flavor. It was real juicy and moist, and it was just pork. You know, yeah, it's pork at its finest, and you can taste the smoke in it, and you can taste the salt and pepper. That's all it needs, and you can do a lot of different things with that. But that's going to be our Fourth of July video. Um, well, I hadn't even got it planned as far as if we're having people over at the house this year, what we're doing. I'm sure we'll do something, but it's been kind of crazy. We're, we're fixing to go on vacation for a few days, take the kid, have a little sun Beach time and fun. or something. Yeah. yeah. And then we'll come back and jump right back into it. So, well, uh, we hope everybody out there, uh, has been enjoying the podcast. This was number 13. Lucky number 13. Lucky number 13. Hey, I'm not superstitious at all. But we've had a lot of fun with it. We're going to keep doing these. Um, Shale, tell them how they can find us. Well, if you want to get in contact with Malcolm, you can find him on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at How to Barbecue Right. And YouTube, of course, at How to Barbecue Right. If you want to get in touch with me, it's Miss Southern Shale at Instagram and Twitter. You can send any questions or comments you have to us through one of those channels. It's really hard for us to answer the comments on YouTube. So if you have comments, if you have questions, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, those are the best ways. We try to answer them all, so just bear with us. If we don't get you, I always say send it again because <laughs> eventually it's going to get through to yeah. us. But in the next week podcast, I think we might have a guest on. Oh, no, Mark Wiggins. We're talking about, talking about From Swine Life Barbecue. cooking a steak, right? Yeah. We're going to talk, gonna talk about, about cooking the perfect ribeye or cooking the perfect steak and talk about whatever all Whatever it may be. My, yeah, I love a good ribeye, but I haven't met very many steaks I don't like. So <laughs> I may either. I may ask him, so I'm going to put Mark on the spot. I don't know if he's done a podcast before, but we're going to, uh, I'm going to ask him some hard questions about cooking steak. Yeah. 
Yeah, I bet you will. <laughs> but uh, thank y'all for listening. This has been the How to Barbecue Right podcast, and we'll see you next time.